Welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we're here for the Memorial Day blowout sale extravaganza Rocktoberfest special edition. <laughs> come come by this super cool. come by this couch for three hundred dollars. Originally one thousand dollars. The couch that Reese sits on to do his podcast. Yeah, you want this amazing futon that's been through Reese's 11th birthday party, 21st birthday party, and 30th birthday party. Get a piece of history right now. Where are you recording right now? You're not in your uh, you're not in your basement or your uh, closet. No, I'm not in my closet right now. Uh, I am double-sided sorted. My wife is currently in Oklahoma City seeing a friend, so I have free range of all 750 square feet of my studio apartment to myself, so I'm not relegated to the closet. Because one of the most common questions we keep getting with live streams is, why is Reese sitting in a closet? It's like, I'm banished to a closet. That's why I'm there. I, I ask myself that every day when I'm on the podcast. I'm like, what is that guy doing in there? What's what's in the background right there? We've we've gotten that a few times. Yeah, you know, I've actually uh, I've started selling out photos of myself in the closet to oh, I gosh. Spy books because that's just what it looks like. You know, rhymes. I spy an apron and some shattered dreams. <laughs> yeah, it can be like a Where's Waldo book. <laughs> just, your, just, just your closet with like different seasons, like royal season, chief season, Christmas. <laughs> can, can you find the never used workout bands in the mini John Cena figurine? <laughs> it's there. Boy, that, that would be a niche, niche Memorial Day item. You know, maybe I... Maybe I'm sitting on some money here, like doing Reese's studio apartment. I spy. Oh, gosh. I mean, I got a spice rack in front of me. There's something that rhymes with chicory, right? You also have all that Boulevard beer stored in like the corner of your kitchen as well. You mean this Boulevard beer? <sighs> that's, yeah, nice. Ooh, that's a nice setup. Last time I was there, I remember. Yes, sir. <laughs> It's swanky. I'd like to see anybody beat this feng shui. Yeah. Your sour well, your sour collection, your your love child collection. Uh, I got two love child. Show me, show me I, your love child collection. Speaking of love childs, it's so funny. I sent a snap to someone and I've got, as promised, my Ronald Reagan riding a Raptor tank top on right oh, now. Oh yeah, let me see it. See that thing? Mm. Happy happy Memorial Day, everybody. As you can see, he also has an Uzi in one hand and an American flag behind him, and I think that's an RPG on his back. Yep, that is. So, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, but yeah. But speaking speaking of love children, uh, I sent a snap to somebody, and I've got my bandana on, my long hair down. Yeah, you're like, you're looking very Cheech and Chong today, buddy. I I got bearded Janis Joplin, so I'll take Cheech and Chong. Thank you. <laughs> Janis Joplin probably had a lower voice than I did too. Dude, Janis Joplin's so great, the greatest singers of all time. Well, anyway, in honor of our Memorial Day celebration. There is nothing more American than apple pie and baseball. So we're going to have a Royals recap for you for the last couple weeks. It's been an up and down season, some highs, some lows, some getting back on tracks, but we're going to ask some hard questions. We're going to have some real hard questions. But before then, I just want to give a basic social media shout out. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Fountain City SM, Facebook Fountain City SM, and check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash fcsm where you'll find exclusive bonus content what's up rondo you know we also don't ask a lot of favors but i'm gonna ask a favor to all our fans out here i want you to share this podcast with one of your kansas city friends say hey i've been listening to this podcast for a year and these guys are stonking the joint 
up. So here you go. So go ahead and give them a link to our Instagram, to our to our Podbean, to all the stuff on our website. Um, see if we can get a little bit more listeners because we got some really good content coming up. We have some beer interviews coming up that are going to be very exciting as well. And then look. We get to talk about the highs and the lows of Kansas City Royals and, and sporting. This isn't uh, Kansas City Chiefs era where we're just like always high on on winning. This is fun. We get to dive in. We get to play GM. We get to figure out what's going on with the team. Um, so these are some exciting times for Found City Sports Media. So go ahead and share this with your friends. We'd appreciate it. That's a perfect segue into my summer foundation goal or campaign goal which is we are currently sitting at about 125 followers on ye old Instagram, which is up considerably from last month oh, yeah. when we were trying to break 100. So we were like at 80 last month. I want to take this podcast to the moon. Can you join me on the 1,000 follower campaign, patent pending name? We'll have something better next week, but we're going for 1,000. I'm pretty sure 1, everyone 000- has the 1,000 follower campaign. <laughs> well, we... Don't yet. So we're going for 1,000 followers by the kickoff of the Chiefs season, and we know we can make this happen. Like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on Instagram. We want to be part of history of making 1,000 people. (laughs) So perfect segue number two, nobody bats 1,000. And in this case, some people on the Royals don't even bat 200. It's been an up and down season, but now we seem to have kind of leveled off. After that 11-game valley, we have gotten ourselves plateaued to right below 500 again, which is a feat in and of itself. Like, Do you know how many teams go on 11-game losing streaks and wind up hitting 500 again? Oh, yeah. Not very many. Not very many. And uh, to get into this, I'm so fired up, I need to get some more coffee in my system. Hang tight. <laughs> I'm ripping this straight from the Chemex, man. Ice coffee. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we are sponsored by, or not yet sponsored by Chemex, or as it looks from here, QX. I don't know why the the M is upside down. I have to get one of those when I go to New York. That's so bizarre. QX. Sweet. Anyway, Kansas City Royal season so far. We're sitting at 25 and 26 with a pivotal month of June coming up. I think it's going to be huge for us. Armando... I'm just going to come out with the big open-ended question here. We're just going to kind of riff from there. Bring it on. Is your glass half full or is your Chemex half full or half empty on this Kansas City Royal squad? I'm going to preface this with I'm normally a glassed half full type of guy. I'm pretty optimistic, especially when it comes to sports, uh, except for sometimes during the Chiefs. So I'm going to say the glass is half full, Reese, because there's a lot of great things happening in the organization right now. Not some good stuff with, with injuries, but for the most part, I think guys are starting to come into their own. So this past, let's say 10 games, let's say this 10 game stretch, We've seen a lot of consistent play from Benintendi and from Carlos Santana. Like I know in the beginning when we had talked about the beginning streak when the Royals are doing very well, Benny and Carlos were not doing well, right? Those were the those are the guys that even though Carlos was getting walks, like they really weren't producing. But now Benny has the best batting average on the team with 
with a .283 batting average. So it's great to see him come into his own. It's great to see Carl Santana come into his own. It's great to see Mondesi back. Mondesi had a home run, I think, a couple games back. He's batting .318 right now, which is wonderful. Uh, We're starting to put Edward Olivares into the rotation. I don't know how long we're going to see him because of injuries, you know, here here and then, Um, but he's batting 500. And then Dozier, Dozier had a home run as well. So I think with Mondesi back, with Dozier back, with Benny and Carlos doing well, obviously Salvi and Witt are our strongholds and are are playing very well. I think Witt said something a couple days ago too. Okay, so when the Royals won 8-3 against the Twins, the very first game, that's kind of our lineup at full strength tonight. It was good to see that we produced eight runs. So he's saying at our best, we could put up eight runs. And remember, the Twins aren't, you know... Uh, what is it called? Good. Chop liver. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know, yeah, they're last they're, place right now. They're not. They're not great, but they're. I, I would say they're not chop liver. Like it's still always going to be a battle when 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 we play the Twins. Um, so for us to put up eight runs, I think that's a good barometer of when everyone is playing on top of their game. Then that's great. So that is why the glass is half full. I'm sure we'll talk about the pitching later, which I have some stuff to say. What say you, Reese? <clears throat> It's time for me to be the Debbie Downer of this group. I'm sorry to say. I think this glass is half empty because I liked everything you said that, yes, when we are firing on all cylinders, this is an 8-3 to Royals over a talented twin squad team. This is a team in contention and can hang around for the wild card. But over two months of baseball, has anything happened that makes you believe this team is going to click on all cylinders at the same time for an extended period of time? If anything, we've seen them do the reverse when they went on that 11-game losing streak. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, but for I mean, look at the the uh, the uh, twin series. The twin series for those we won two two out of three. It was six to three. It was five to six. The one that we lost, and that that I think. I think it was just bad managing. We just didn't have a lot of pitching. So he put in Irvin Santana and then had Carlos Hernandez go for four and a half innings. Like that was pretty crappy. Uh, So, but from what we saw in those three games, our offense was playing well. And I think if our offense plays well, it can really make up for what, we're not getting in the starting pitching. So I disagree with you there, but yes, we had the uh, losing streak, but since the losing streak, we got one from the Rays. Wasn't expecting that. Even, even when we're at our hottest in the beginning of the year, getting one from the Rays is still a big deal. So we get one from the Rays. We get two from the Twins. We sweep the Tigers. We sweep the Brewers, right? So... I am still hopeful. I understand your argument with the losing streak, but we're past losing streak. It's royal. It's 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 hot girl royal summer, baby. You know, so I jotted down what this team needs to do going forward, and I think ultimately the next three weeks will tell us who this team is. Now I'm going to get to that later on, but first I want to dissect. I want to dissect the big three parts of this team that we've beaten into ad nauseum throughout the season. Pitchers, bats, and bullpen. I don't think two of those three things have ever clicked at the same time for an extended period of time. And I think that's really what it's going to take for us to like turn this around and stay in wildcard contention and maybe even squeak into the playoffs. What I'm saying is there's been, let's start with pitching. Let's start with pitching. Our pitchers have the third highest walk rate in the majors and the second in the American League. And that is just way 
too much. We are walking way too many people, putting ourselves behind the eight ball to start innings and to start games as a whole. I can't tell you the number of times I've been at work and I ask my phone, I say, Siri, are the Royals winning? And Siri comes back and tells us that we're down four to nothing in the third <laughs> <No>. already. <laughs> yes. And it feels like that's what we're like digging ourselves out of every game. When I ask Siri that question and I get an answer that's not us getting blown out like that, I feel surprised. Long story short, our starting pitching ERA is still too high. I'm like that meme right now. Our pitching ERA is too dang high. Keller, he's at 5.68, albeit we saw over his first 12 starts, it wasn't so hot. He had a 12 ERA, and now he's kind of, over the last, uh, I believe it's six starts, he's thrown about a 3.5 clip. Yeah. So he's kind of started to meet that happy medium. Do you think Keller's starting to get back, uh, get it back together? Yeah, so the last game that he won, our, our previous game, 6-3 to the Twins, Keller's 3-0 and in the past four starts. And he's really trying to, he's really finding his stuff now. He's getting the velocity, he's getting his targets, because, what was it, uh, I forgot how many games ago. Uh, Keller and then Keller wins as well. Um, the the uh, the Rays game two to one. So even so, the Rays game I, I saw that Brad, um, the Brad was starting to find his rhythm. In fact, Mike Matheny said Brad was as good as I've seen him. He had a good rhythm. I thought his tempo, his execution on the fastball and the slider were good. Probably the best changeups we've seen from him. If he can, if he can continue to develop that pitch, it's going to help everyone else. So I'm very hopeful about Keller. Uh, I know you and I had speculated whether he had some injuries to start the season. Something was going on there, but whatever that is, I'm hopeful that we've passed that point, especially when he's pitching good stuff to the Rays, and then subsequent. Consequently, Keller then pitches a great game against the Twins. And like I said, 3-0 and 4 starts. I think he's playing great, so I understand your argument about the walks, but I think Keller is um, helping that narrative, or sorry, um, is helping beat that narrative, right? His stuff is looking good. Singer's stuff does not look good still. Singer still isn't finding his targets. There's something going on there. Um, Bubich has had to come in for the past couple series and and play. So we'll see if Bubich ends up having a role. I don't think he will have a role just because people are banged up right now. Um, And we could see Jackson Coar sooner than we thought. I don't know, man. What what do you think? I'm probably pivoting too hard, but let's let's keep it there. Do you think we're going to see Jackson Coar in soon? Uh, I think there's a chance we see Jackson Coar towards the end of the year when we maybe deactivate one of our pitchers if it shows that we're at a wild card contention. Or even we might call him up, you know, just for to be at the back end of the starter, you know, get some uh, relief innings in for our starting rotation. But I liked what you talked about with Brady Singer there because I'm not going to lie, I'm a little frustrated on Brady Singer because I don't feel like I'm watching a different pitcher from last year. Brady Singer last year, as we discussed, was not that bad. He had some rookie mistakes, yeah, you know. Only he had was, 22 starts. Exactly. He was he was more hot than cold over 22 starts so far in his career, and that's that's not even a full seasons of you know worth of games played yet. You know, we exactly. get way more starts than that. But he's still throwing a 4.91 ERA this year, and he's showing the same habits he had last year, which is when he's locked in, the guy deals. But he's kind of hot-headed, and he's prone to getting himself out of the rhythm, as was evident in the Angel Hernandez incident earlier in the month. Right. So I want him to take a step forward. Same thing goes for Chris Bubich. Bubich, he still looks like the same old Bubich, which is good. But I want to see both of them iron out those rookie mistakes they still seem to be making. Do you think... 
this has anything to do with our pitching coach, Cal Eldred, or do you think this is more on just guys needing to get reps? You know, I was reading about that, but a point that could be made pro Eldred uh, would be Keller's successes of recently because we kind of put Keller and Singer in that same like young pitching core and developing core. And he seems to be de- developing his stuff very well. Uh, Bubich seems to be coming into his own as well. Junis, when he's doing well, is also pitching consistently so those three guys we're starting to see a lot of good stuff as of recently and it's really only singer in my opinion that we're not seeing like that game against the rays where we lost seven to two you're right wasn't getting his velocity and he's hot-headed so he tries too much right he's he's trying to throw the heater but then his target is way off way off and that kind of goes towards your walk argument of saying that we're just walking way too many people and singer is a really big reason for that um so i don't think it's the pitching coach because i'm seeing a lot of great stuff from at least three of the young guys and then look at our bullpen i mean our bullpen is one of the best in the league right now let's prayers for for stomon make sure that he comes back soon because we need him back in there but i think that our our rotation is as best as we've seen it but yeah we are gonna live and die by the starting pitching benny carlos salvi dozier Solaire can only do so much every game, especially if we're going to play the Rays. Um, Coming up in June, we're going to do back-to-back series, Boston, New York, and then we go back to Boston. I mean, oof. We, We need starting pitching. There's, like, Salvi can't hit enough home runs during that time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we're going to live and die by that, but I think the pitching coach is fine. Well, what's worrying me is our pitcher's approach to pitching, which I have bemoaned before on this podcast, and I feel like they're playing with their food too much. I just want them to go up there and throw some strikes. It seems too many times like they're kind of tiptoeing around and like, oh, whoopsies, I'm behind in the count on purpose because he didn't bite on either of these breaking balls. Okay, in this case, I'll get him on this pitch. Oh, that one was unintentionally out of the strike zone. I'm suddenly down 3-0 in the count. And that just feels how it is a lot of the time with all of our pitchers. Now, let's go back to the Detroit series a couple weeks ago when they had their young stud, Mize. And, man, he almost less than 100 pitch no hit us for a while. I mean, for a while, that's that's what it felt like. He wound up going six and a third innings, and we got him out of there. But, dude, he was just throwing strikes. And I'm not saying everything has to be a meatball, but instead of trying to get guys all the time by throwing pitches out of the strike zone, I just want to see our entire rotation throwing more balls that are strikes. Make them ground out, make them foul off, and then you can bait them with a breaking ball if you want. Too many times are we up in the count 0-2 only to suddenly be worked back into the count 2-2-3-2. And that's what's killing us in the long run. So I think that's the big thing our pitching needs to work on. And if it's Cal Eldred's head that needs to be put on the chopping block for it, so be it. All right. I'm hyped up. <laughs> you are, man. I don't have an argument. I mean, that, that was a very convincing argument. I still like mine. Like, I still think that these young guys not named Singer are playing fine. Like, they're fine. We 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 just had big hopes for Singer. I mean, we were talking about sleeper Cy Young for Singer. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. That was a big whoops. <laughs> Oopsies. Well, moving on to bats. Our bats are another big problem we have right now. I don't think... Anyone outside of maybe Ben Intendi and Carlos Santana, as well as Salvador Perez, are really hitting up to the potential we need them to. Long and short, 
It's not looking good, particularly for extra base hits. For a team that should be hitting a lot of doubles, we're fourth from last in the major in doubles and last in home runs. We're, we're stranding so many runners on base with a leadoff walk, with a leadoff single, and we can't get them around. That's, that's what's killing us in a lot of these games. Subsequently, we need some of our batters to raise those batting averages. Now, this isn't fair for me to say that Whit Merrifield batting 251 is bad. I mean, we all know Whit's a great player. Yeah, he's still playing great, right? All things considered, though, he's having a down year batting. We need Witt to be more of a 280 to 300 kind of guy, especially as our leadoff hitter. Going down the lineup, it only gets worse from there. Our designated hitter, Solaris, still not get out of his slump. He's batting a buck 78. And Hunter Dozier, who was kind of hamstrung right out of the gate with that thumb contusion, hasn't gotten back into rhythm, and he's batting 143. At this point, we're at a negative 23 run differential. Do you That's think bad. this batting order is ever going to get it together? Yeah, so I have a couple things to kind of argue your points. The first game that we played against the Twins, Dozier and Soler snapped their hitless streak. I think it was like Dozier, it was like he was 0 for 32 and then Soler was 0 for 20 something. Uh, But both of them snapped that streak three games ago. Um, And then since seeing that, we've seen Soler or sorry, Dozier hit a home run. Uh, did Soler hit one? I don't think so. But um, but yeah, Dozier hits a really nice dinger uh, in our last game against the Twins to go 6-3. And look at what we scored in those last three games against the Twins. Granted, it's the Twins. I know we talked about that their last place. Uh, but we scored eight on them the first game, six on them the next game, six on them the third game, which is really nice. If we look past the Rays, even though the Rays... We didn't play extremely well, especially offensively against the Rays. But if we go back to the Tigers, we scored seven against the Tigers, five against them, and then three against them the very last game, and then six against the Brewers. So look, those are pretty good numbers minus those Rays games. So if I am evaluating only the last 10 games, then I am hopeful because Soler is out of that slump. Dozier kind of looks like he's out of that slump, but we'll see. If I'm looking at it as a whole, then you're right. They look awful. But again, glass half full Mondo. Hot take, glass half full guy. Um, These guys are starting to come into their own. Mondesi is back, and Mondesi seems to not have missed a beat. So I'm very hopeful about these guys. But if Soler and Dozier keep up this negative streak, then yeah, we're we're in big trouble. We had talked about Soler being the home run king. Whoops, he looks like one of the worst hitters in in baseball. We totally did, and he totally should be, but here's my question. Do you think getting this batting order ship put on the right path has more to do with players coming out of their own heads and just batting up to expectations, or do you think this is something that we could artificially manipulate by changing the batting order up some? Well, if I'm Mike Matheny, I'm going with with number two because that's what he's good at, right? He he knows how to manipulate the order so that it can do well. I'm sure it is more mental. I mean, imagine being Soler with all these aspirations of becoming the home run king or being very close to it, or Dozier being a staple, being a, a pillar of this organization and looking the way he does, especially with Nicky Lopez looking way much better or way better, sorry, Michael A. Taylor looking way better. I mean, that has to do something on on your psyche, Um, especially when these young guys are coming in and playing really, really well and you're supposed to be a lot better than them. I'm sure it's very mental. Uh, I'm hoping that Mondesi really producing for them is going to help that, like I said. Um, Yeah, man, I'm just... You know, I think ultimately, 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 I'm going to agree with you here. I think 
we have the potential in our bats more than any other position. I think we have more potential in the bats than we do pitching and definitely more potential in the bats than we have in the bullpen. So I think if we can get anything righted, it's going to be on the shoulders of the bats to have more games scoring over four runs than games they have scoring under four runs. So last but not least in our trifecta here, the bullpen. This is the most concerning thing because I think a lot of people would say coming into this season, the bullpen was projected to be one of the strengths, if not the greatest asset of this team. Things have not looked good so far. We have not identified a like setup guy, a closer, or guys you want to come in to eat innings versus guys you want to come in to nurture close leads. It's been a bit of a mess. And I know that Matheny's had some knocks on him in the past, and Cardinals fans will all say, ha, ha, ha. Enjoy the fact that he's going to wreck your bullpen and make terrible decisions now. Well, I don't think he's made terrible decisions, but he's made some very questionable decisions. Now, some of our stars in the bullpen, Stamont, Barlow, Zimmer, they're all pitching okay. They're just pitching okay. Stamont's got that 2.78 ERA. Barlow's lowered it down to 2. Zimmer, after coming off the injured list, is still throwing 2.37. But some of the guys we really needed to show improvement this year, guys we needed to show up to really help flesh this thing out, has not worked out so far. Greg Holland has been hot and cold. The Wade Davis experiment's not sitting great right now. Zuber, Han, there are more negatives in this bullpen than there are positives right now. Armando, do you have any answer to the problems with the bullpen? You know, I'm not as pessimistic as you are on the bullpen. I actually I actually think the bullpen's fine. One of my biggest concerns is still not coming back from injury. Um, I don't know when he's going to be back, but again, he is probably the best pitcher that we have in general. So if we don't have him, you know, other guys have to really step up. Um, but you know what? Before the injury, fine. He did have some slumps in that 11-game losing streak, but in the past 10 games, he, he was playing fine. It, it was kind of this hodgepodge of of Stomont, Brents, Barlow, and Holland for the past 10 games actually been playing pretty well. I mean, they were able to close some of those games. That was It was very impressive. Uh, but you're right. Zuber... Zuber's kind of hot and cold. We saw Zuber in the beginning of the of the year uh, playing really well, and then once once we had our slump, boy, it was it was slumpy. It was slumpy. Wade Davis, I think the Wade Davis project is over. I had already called it from the beginning of the season. I didn't even think he was going to play. Um, but you know, maybe we'll get some stuff towards the end of the season. We'll see where we are in the standings, and if we really need him, I think he might produce. But you know what? Stomont, Brents, Barlow, uh, even Juna sometimes. Uh, and Holland. I think that's great. I think they're doing okay. Um, we're not elite, but it's still a good, good pitching, not rotation. It's a good bullpen. So I'm okay with it, Reese. I'm not as pessimistic on it. You know, I'm going to focus in on a few things here. I, I know I particularly called out Zimmer, Stamont, Barlow, and Holland. I think those four, when utilized properly, are still very valuable to this team. I've mentioned before on this podcast, I think Barlow's at his best when you need him to come in, maybe mop up an inning and take care of an inning after that. I think he's our best multi-inning guy. I'm not sure how he handles high-stress situations just yet. Zimmer? I think Zimmer's got some of the best stuff, which is great, because at one point in time, we were hoping he was going to be the ace of this franchise, you know, paging those drafts of the early 2010s. Yikes, hashtag never forget. But <laughs> Stama, on the other hand, I think he's our biggest anomaly right now. And again, I'm not sure where pitching co or coaching comes into this question because 
We saw it last year when he was throwing some straight-up filthy stuff. He has movement on his pitches, which is insane. He can throw high-heat fastballs when he has to, but he hasn't this year. I think Stamont is the most important piece to this puzzle because we need Stamont to be a closer. Don't trot him out there in the sixth inning to use him up, and subsequently we can't call him up later on in uh, games, as was the case against the White Sox, and we had to bring Wade Davis in the ninth because we used Stamont the two nights before in low-leverage situations. No, keep Stamont as your high-leverage guy. At the same time, you need to live and you need to die by Stamont's stuff. And I don't know if coaching is telling him to try and place his pitches more, to try and work counts. No. Stamont's got such nasty stuff. You just got to bring him in and be like, hey, throw strikes. They're either going to shell you or they're not. And I have the faith in you that more often than not, they ain't going to shell you. It's kind of like a Roldis Chapman to a degree because you bring out a Roldis Chapman, you're like, throw strikes, throw high heat. If they can hit you, I'm sorry. I don't think they can hit you. We need a less cerebral Stamont as our closer, and we need to find more roles set in stone for our bullpen pitchers going forward. Yeah, I mean, look, so Stomont, I, I agree with you, needs to be figured out. But again, he has the left knee sprain. We're not sure when he's going to come back. So that might take a while and we could slump a little bit because of that. But before then, I mean, look at our last game. Holland, Zimmer, Barlow had four shutout innings. And then against the Rays, when Stomont was not injured, it was Holland, Barlow, Stomont, and Brents all had scoreless innings too. Well, we almost, sorry, that was the game that we lost to the Rays. But that was that 2-1 loss with um, Manuel Margo hitting the single in, in the in the 10th. But he hit that off Zuber. But before then, Holland, Barlow, Stomont, Brents were all playing really, really well. So I think in pressure, pressure, pressure situations, um, I think that's going to be our core going forward. Now, what order we put them in, I have no idea. You know, I originally wanted Stomont to be the closer, uh, but typically Matheny's been going with Barlow as the closer. Um, so some, but now, you know, Jake Brents has been playing extremely well and making his way into the end of that bullpen. Um, so realistically, if everyone is healthy and everyone's playing the way they should be, um, I think it should be, you know, a couple innings of Holland, one of Barlow, one of Brent's, and then Stomont to shut it out would be like the perfect thing for me. Um, and I can see that happening. This isn't like a a uh, a pipe dream, as they say. Uh, yeah. So we'll so we'll we'll see what happens there. And I'm sure we'll talk about what the schedule looks like going forward. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Well, two last things on Holland that kind of wrap up into one nice little pig in a blanket about Greg Holland. (laughs) I think there are two situations that Greg Holland flourishes in, and we need to use him as such. Number one, use him in a situation where you need three outs. Don't put him in for more than an inning. Don't put him in a high leverage situation where you need him to mop up someone's mistakes. Put Holland in, say, get us three outs, basta. Number two, there is a country mile of difference in putting Greg Holland in a high stress situation when the thing is, We are tied or we are behind, but it's close. Keep us in this game and saying, go out there and close it out. We've mentioned before, there is a world of difference between being a starting pitcher and being a starting pitcher coming out of the bullpen. There's another world of difference between being a bullpen pitcher who has to keep you in the game and a bullpen pitcher who everything is on his shoulders to keep a lead in the game. And that was the problem we had with Joaquin Soria a few years ago. He had good stuff. He had his place, but we could not put him out there in holding and saving situations. Thank you for coming to my pitching TED Talk. All right. (laughs) So heading into this month of June, I think this is going to be the most pivotal stretch of the season. 
Again, I'm never going to say it's all over. I'm never going to say we have this in the bag. But these next three weeks in particular are going to be extremely telling as to who this team is. We're essentially at 500 right now. We got two games coming up against the Pirates. Four versus the Twins. After that, we got a six-game road trip where we have three against the Angels and four against the Athletics. I can't do math. And then lastly, we come back home to tie it up with a nice little ribbon. We got a three-game series against the Tigers. Now, I just want to point some things out going down that list right here. Pirates, last place. Twins, last place. Angels, second to last place. Athletics, they're in first in their division, but with a minus 10 run differential. So we got some discord right there. Last but not least, the Tigers, half a game out of last place. Armando, what do you see us needing to do over these next three weeks in order to keep this team firmly in contention for the second wild card? Yeah, look, I mean, we we have to just pick up where we just left off in the past 10 games, right? We, we sweep the Brewers. We take two from the Tigers. We take one from the Rays, which is a success. And then we take two from the Twins. We have to sweep Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. We can't Agreed. go one and one. If we're trying to turn the tide, we got to sweep them. If we can take three from the Twins, that... That should be a good goal. If we sweep, wonderful. But I think three is a very good goal there. And let's take two from the Angels. Um, I actually like the A's. I think the A's are playing really well. So if we take one from the A's, I fine. If, if we go one, one to three against the A's, fine. And then we have to sweep Detroit after that. If we do all those things, which are very attainable goals, even without Stomont, without Danny Duffy, um, having Mondesi back in, these are all attainables with the team that we have right now. That will turn the tide and keep us in a very good, uh, a good place. In fact, we need that not to even stay in the wild card. We just need it because in those next games, three against Boston, three against the Yankees, a little stint with Texas, and then four against Boston. So we're going to lose, even if we're doing really well, we're going to lose a lot of those games, and that's okay, Kansas City fans, which means these next few series are pivotal to win because if we fluke a few of these, we're in big trouble. Armando, are you the NSA because I'm going to need you to stop looking at the things I have on my computer. It was like yeah. it was like watching the Powerball like spit out the right numbers, and you just kept going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I had that listed almost the exact same way until the Athletic series. You said take one from the Athletics. I would like to take two. I think fair, yeah, con- and, that, and that's also attainable. I agree. A contending team that wants to show their contending team, especially for a wild card spot, needs to split those kind of series as opposed to a one to three series loss. Now, last thing I did was I gave us two out of three against the Tigers. Long story short, we both say we have to go 11 and eleven and five in this 16-game stretch. Because if we can do that, 11 and five will put us at 36 and 31. And suddenly, being on the other side of the 500 line makes us feel a lot a more lot. like we can really contend for that wild card spot. So what I'm getting at with all this You need to store when you have the seven years of plenty because when the seven years of famine come, you need that not to feel like a seven years of famine. You need to feel like a seven years of not plenty. And I don't even want to go into what we need to do against Boston, Yankees, and Boston again towards the end of the month, but that's why we got to store up those wins now because, brother, they ain't going to be any easier towards the end of the month. 
Well, Armando, I can hear the music playing, which means we're heading towards the end of this episode, this Memorial Day Rocktoberfest extravaganza. What do you have planned for the rest of your Memorial Day? Um, I have rehearsal, but I'm actually going to grab some lunch with my grandma uh, pretty soon, which will be really nice. Um, but yeah, man, it's show week. We open our show on Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's it's game time, man. I got rehearsal. Well, I got a day off on Wednesday, which will be nice. But yeah, man, it's it's time to lock and load, baby. How about you, dude? What are you up to? Uh, I'm going to drink some American beer, uh, clean my American apartment for my all-American wife who comes home tomorrow has a nice clean place to come back to because America. <laughs> and what are you what are you going to be sipping on today? What's what, what's that American beer going to have? Oh man, uh, I have an American pale ale in my fridge. Uh, I have a Belgian wit in my fridge. So. You know, America's the melting pot of many different cultures. <laughs> you're going to have the colors of the rainbow today. I, I'm going to, you know. I, I, I love this country, and I love the beer this country produces. So, let's go. Amen, brother. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Thank you.